So gentlemen, thanks for joining us today on Leadership Log, which is a podcast for the Air Force Lifecycle Management Center community on topics of interest. And the topic of interest today is the holiday season and dealing with stresses that come with it. Um, so gentlemen, if you could um, introduce yourselves and give us a little bit of your career background. Sure, so uh, Major Aaron Eshi, I'm a clinical psychologist here in the Air Force, wearing the uniform, I'm in the Air Force. Um, but I've, uh, so right now my, my title, I have two, two hats that I'm wearing, the Director of Psychological Health for the Installation, um, also the Director of Training for um, the Psychology Residency that we have here, a training pipeline here in our clinic, uh, in the MTF here at Wright-Patterson. Um, so I've, so Major Salas and I, and I did residency here together, actually several years ago. Um, did some time up in Minot, North Dakota and came back a few years ago uh, to be on faculty here in the pipeline. Um, so do a little bit of patient care, a little bit of teaching, uh, a little bit of consulting around base. Um, and my director of psychological health job, I answer a lot of questions and interface um, with a lot of people, um, get a pulse for what's going around town and, and what we need to do to change operations or what we need to do to think about prevention efforts because maybe the same issue is coming up. Um, getting the word out on things, serving on some committees um, and serving on a, a team of community partners that are also involved as helping agencies also. But I'm sure we'll get into that with some of the questions today. Okay, yeah. thank you. Uh, I'm Major Salazar. I'm coming over from just recently from BAMC. So I got to write Patterson about three months ago, back in late August, early September. Uh, I'm the neuropsychologist for Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. I'm also the mental health OIC for our clinic. So my job mostly consists of seeing patients who have concerns for the neurocognitive uh, performance. So um, maybe potential strokes, uh, brain injuries, or concern for dementia in our older population, so family members and retirees. And then as OIC, I'm, I'm really just making sure the ship is running, uh, making sure that processes stay intact, that they are working, and if they're not working, how do we fix them? Uh, do we need to overhaul them? Um, and in between, just kind of helping out where I can. Yeah. Uh, so we're actually recording this on December 2nd, and just yesterday, the Chief of Staff, General Brown, sent out a, a letter to airmen, and it was all about suicide. And he, uh, I thought it was uh, interesting that he, he talked about how he's heartbroken by all the reports that he sees come across his desk, and I and I imagine he sees them all, um, and reflecting about you know not just the death of the airman, but also the impact on his family and his friends and and the teammates, and and always asking that 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 one question, you know, could we have done something to prevent this? You know, is there is is there some action that I could have done? And so I, I just wanted to start off the whole conversation with that, you know. Um, uh, what what can be done? You know, I, I know that you've always heard the the thought that you don't want to ask somebody directly if they're in, if they're thinking about killing themselves because you're afraid you might plant the seed in their brain. But uh, uh, but but tell us, I mean, what what should we actually do? Is sure. So the research actually doesn't support the the kind of like planting the seed hypothesis. You know, just asking the question is generally the best thing. Um, I'm a little, maybe a little bit old school. There's that idea of ACE, that ask, care, escort 
um, if you're talking to someone and and this is kind of where building up a relationship prior really helps, right? So so um, I don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole, but having a sense of community, having a sense of connection within your unit so that you can call, go up to your fellow airmen, go up to your uh, work partner or whomever and say, hey man, you haven't seen this, you haven't been as open before as you normally are. You're not as bubbly as you normally are. What's going on? You can kind of open up with that question and then at some point in the conversation, ask the question directly. Have you been thinking about hurting yourself or you know, have, have you been having thoughts of not wanting to be here anymore? Um, if they answer affirmatively, right, then, then at that point, don't really, don't let them go, right? Stay by their side, go to your first sergeant, go to your commander, find, uh, go to mental health, if it's off base duty hour, you know, contact your shirt, uh, utilize tools like 988 um, or your local ER, local mental health hospital. Um, I think that's kind of a, a direct answer to that question. Yeah. Any other insights? yeah, for sure. I'm really glad that you brought up that. Um, like it's just kind of a meme. I think it's I don't know how that crept into general understanding. And I guess in some sense, I can I can see how that's a rational thought that somehow me suggesting this idea is going to cause harm to somebody and I really don't want to cause harm. But I think that's more of a symptom of I'm just so nervous. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, so maybe in a, in a way that it's good that people are caring and realizing that this is a sensitive issue. Um, but it, yeah, it's just certainly not true. And so that's what the A is in the ACE model is just ask. And it's, it's not an easy question to ask, um, but it's an important one to ask because um, honestly, it just, it describes a level of severity of how bad a situation might be. And just assuming it's not there or not having that information, you're really not your calculus doesn't have all the data you might need to really intervene to make it happen. And I would say it's probably worth having an awkward question asked than to regret something later. Um, but going into it empowered knowing that no, that's actually not the case. It's not going to some like, like inception, like this idea is gonna grow and it's gonna be my fault if this happens. You know? And I think it's the exact opposite actually. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've, you've got to err on the side of caution because at the end of the day, you don't know what people are dealing with. I mean, everybody's dealing with a lot of stuff and and you just don't know how they're reacting to that. And so uh, any little changes in behavior, you know, can be indications that there's a bigger problem underneath. Yeah, but I, I think the the care part, like Major Salazar was saying, is is absolutely important. And I realize how hard that can be to come by sometimes because mm -hmm. I, I don't know how everybody's ops are in, in life cycle management. I'm sure it's quite busy, just like it is in the MTF. And so sometimes caring is an afterthought or thinking big picture and offering more is hard when your primary duties are, you know, taking 10, 12 hours a day to complete. Um, but honestly, that, that buffer is just so vitally important. It's so foundational to not like not even just thriving but surviving mm -hmm. um, and uh, in our environment sometimes when ops are really high just really caring and really being there because first of all like you receive something yourself you know being part of something that you're you know, in a community um, where you're giving and receiving nurturing and belonging and like 
that stuff's not nothing like that that really matters it's not just some cute thing that these shrinks say from their psycho babble bible you know um but it also will allow you to notice when those differences do occur when you know something's not quite right because i think the risk is if we just have tunnel vision and are going about our primary duties and the, the real risk is that we could miss changes um, in somebody's behavior and and honestly even if it's not like a suicide situation just asking hey how are you doing good lord that that really could just turn the ship around maybe that's something that the thing that somebody needed that day just to get through that moment you know so yeah so uh so i mean kind of the purpose we wanted to talk about the holidays so we're coming into the holiday season um you know it's the most joyous time of the year everybody always talks about how happy they are how excited they are during the holidays uh, but it creates a lot of unique situations that can cause stress you know and it could be everything from how am i going to afford these christmas presents that i'm buying for my kids or you know are we going to have dinner at my wife's house this year are we going to go to my father-in-law's house or you know um all of those kinds of things can create all kinds of unique stressors that we don't deal with most of the time. And, and like you said, it's still a, a high ops tempo kind of time with your job. So um, so let, let's talk about some of those situations and, and ways that you can deal with the stresses that come up this time of the year. Sure. Yeah, so I mean, I think you kind of hit that on the head. There, there are some stressors that may just feel a little bit unavoidable. Um, I think maybe instead of my take is gonna, instead of focusing on what we call that primary stressor, right? So the, the primary stressor may be um, knowing that you have to go to your in-laws for, for the holidays. Uh, we can talk about the secondary and tertiary stressors, right? So there's uh, oftentimes the primary source of distress is not what's most, it's not what's impacting us the most, it's often our reaction to it. So I'm stressed out about having to go to see my in-laws, for example, but then that stress generates maybe a little bit lack of sleep, or it generates um, some annoyance at myself for being stressed out about it, right? And then it's this, I need to, now maybe I feel guilty that I am stressed out and that I'm annoyed because it's Christmas and some people don't even have a family to, to celebrate with. And here I am complaining about having to choose between two families. What kind of person am I, right? So you get these sort of like second, third order, fourth effects of uh, levels of stress. And so that I can say, just kind of starting at the beginning of, yeah, these times are stressful. Uh, it, it's okay, right? That kind of understanding that going into the holiday season is going to be stressful and, it, and there's not always a lot that can be done about that can take so much off of your plate because you're going to be able to relieve maybe a sense of that guilt. You're going to be able to relieve a sense of that um, maybe displaced sadness, right? And just understand that, hey, I'm going to see family. I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to enjoy company. And I'm going to be stressed about it at the same time, right? There's room for both things, um, I think, can just take a lot off someone's shoulders. Uh, also recognizing that there's often distress and eustress, right? So distress being stress about negative things and eustress being um, kind of excitement. You can think about it as excitement or, or um, just general stress about positive things. Our body doesn't do a good job at distinguishing the two. You're still going to have increased heart rate, uh, maybe poor sleep. Uh, restricted or, or overactive diet, you know, any of whatever your generalized anxiety uh, responses are, um, your body doesn't make a good distinction between the two. And it can lead us into, well, I'm not sleeping the, the way I normally, I'm not sleeping the way I normally am. I'm not eating the way I normally do. 
maybe I'm stressed out, right? And now we've put this sort of label on it and, and come to the conclusion that something's wrong. Well, no, it's just, it's a change in our system. It's a, a change in our rhythm, change in what's going on. Um, and that almost always brings about some kind of response from our body. Mm -hmm. Sure, yeah. I mean, I think the thing I'd kind of add to with what you just said, um, well, first I'll, I'll back up and say, yeah, I don't necessarily think that holiday stress is all that different from stress. I guess that's something you were touching on there too. Um, I think the unique things about it is it could be anniversaries for griefs that mm -hmm. folks that may have gone through, you know, just a reminder of a loss or just noticing that contrast when somebody's not there, when everybody's having the most wonderful time of the year, you know. Um, there's a lot of messaging that you should be feeling a certain way. You know, but I think honestly, like we get that messaging all day long. Like I'm a man, I shouldn't feel X, Y, Z. Um, I've got everything in this life. I shouldn't feel blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm anxious or I'm feeling depressed and I, and I shouldn't feel that way. I get all this messaging that these aren't like normal feelings, even though that's absolutely part of the human condition is to worry or to feel sad. And it's honestly like an important component of navigating your world because it's, it's data. It's a signal that something's not quite right and essentially can serve as like a motivation tool to try and change some things. Um, so I guess all that to say, you know, if, my, if, if the holiday season's maybe just a, a microcosm of how we experience life the rest of the year also, um, I think to me, it just really boils down to how you're relating to what's going on. Because mm -hmm. I think if you buy into this idea, or maybe you're telling yourself without any other outside input that I shouldn't be feeling this way, like that's at loggerheads with what's really going on. And the way we can change our relationship with that is just like, give yourself permission to feel whatever it is you're feeling, because it's a fact that no feeling or thought that anyone has ever had has lasted for forever and it will go away. And if we're spending so much energy to just try and escape that experience or grasp towards something more positive, you're really missing the richness of what it means to be in that particular moment, you know, to grow through that or to just get past it. Cause you know, I, I don't know, how many people who are going to end up watching this would raise their hand to me saying like ever felt stressed out on the way to work and then by the time lunch rolled around it kind of went away I mean it's most of the time that's what our experiences are like and so if we could just give ourselves permission to feel stressed let it come and let it go so that we can just act as a person we'd rather be instead of just have that be dictated by whatever feeling we're having like, yeah. and we can see who we'd rather be with our actions and I, and I don't think that has anything like the the holiday season that's that's really no different than how it would be in march you know? mm -hmm. um so if you're if you're at work and and you if you're feeling that way or if you have a co-worker that you know it feels like they're being stressed i mean should you engage more um i mean is there is there value in the process of like venting out kind of your frustrations or that kind of thing I'd say so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So acting like it's a sounding board. So, you know, just trying to ask the person, you know, hey, what's what's going on? And, you know, and then just letting them vent on you. Yeah. I mean, I think there's there's real utility in 
Because uh, I mean, I think just back to the point I was making, that's an acknowledgement that I'm actually feeling this way and saying it out loud, like, I mean, it doesn't even take the research that shows this for somebody to know this in the common sense kind of way, like you kind of feel better when you vent, you know? I mean, I think that there is the possibility to overdo it and then people get tired of hearing you vent all the time. But I mean, there's, there's real utility in doing that for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I would say on that same, on the other side of that is, it, it feels even, I'm sure, hopefully people can relate to this, you know, you vent, you go to a coworker or a friend, you vent, and they validate you, right? Yeah, man, that is stressful, like, oh, I know, last year I had to spend time with my in-laws, and I, it really just was not a good time, I know how you're feeling, but it's gonna suck, you know, text me if some, text me about what's going on, or yeah. it puts them sort of like, oh, I'm not alone, I'm not the only one that's having this sense of stress, I'm not the only one that's having this thought, good to know. Um, it normalizes and validates the way we feel and it makes the problem seem a little bit smaller, a little bit more doable, a little bit more manageable. Yeah, I mean, when you feel like you're, you're not unique, you're not weird, you're not abnormal, you know, that, that you realize that, hey, I'm just going through normal human emotions that people go through every day. Uh, I mean, there is, there is some value in just kind of understanding that. Yeah, just realizing, yeah, you're not alone. Because I, I think just, uh, uh, there's a through line with just about anything we'd see on the clinical side that like one of this like a fever might emerge for lots of different things for a medical condition that that feeling of alienation that i'm the only person going through this thing emerges for an awful lot of what we see back here and that's a symptom not a truth you know mm -hmm. so just saying it out loud just fosters the fabric needed to have the community we're talking about you know, so that's not just this idea in the abstract. It's like really a thing that's happening. Part of that is just everybody putting energy into that and having fostering a community where being able to vent is an appropriate thing to do, you know, an acknowledged and um, maybe even a rewarded thing to do. Yeah. Uh, so if people need um, a more professional help, I mean, if you if you feel like uh, you've talked to somebody and they and they vented, but you're, you're a little more concerned, how can they go about um, finding that help? Or what are, some, what are some resources that they can reach out to? That's a great question. And I, and I wanna make that distinction a little bit more clear about that, you know, that's kind of severe side, right? So kind of uh, what Major Ashley was alluding to already, um, the richness of life, right? Things like sadness, grief, anxiety, fear, uh, nervousness, right? Those are, uh, to use kind of a, a, a software joke, like it's a feature, not a bug, right? Like mm -hmm. it's embedded into the human experience. Um, and it's something that, that should be embraced, not, not uh, discarded or, or try to uh, run away from. Uh, but we have these sort of severe uh, symptoms. Sometimes we have these severe experiences where we want or we need more help. If it's outside of the normal human experience or, and by normal, I mean, you take the general population and it's this, most people are not going to experience this, right? So not, not normal as in what is normal because no one's normal at the end of the day, but you have this sort of like out of the norm rather than not normal, right? Out of the norm human experience that results in uh, a sense of profound anxiety, right? Profound grief, profound uh, impairment of functioning really is kind of what, what we're looking at. Um, it's getting in the way of that person being themselves on a day-to-day -day basis. They're not working out the way they used to. They're not social the way they used to. They're not, um, uh, you know, they're not present at work the way they, they're, they're used to be. 
And so now we look at, let's get you some help, right? This is something more than a friend is going to be capable of working with, something more than family is going to be capable of, of kind of correcting. Um, and so thankfully, the Air Force is, and I think the DOD in general, is moving towards making this process easier because more often than we like to hear, there are people who say, well, I went to such and such public agency and they just turned me away, right? I went to MFLAC and they said, well, that's, that's a little bit too severe for our liking, um, you know, best of luck. Uh, moving forward, the DOD is kind of going with something called no wrong door policy. How that's gonna look like at every base is gonna be a little bit different. Um, here at Wright Pat, it's going to involve having all of the non-specialty helping services in one building. So that if somebody comes in and has a spiritual crisis, hey, great, our chaplain's just down this hall. If someone has a financial crisis, great, AFRC is right here. Let's go talk to a budget specialist. If they're having a life difficulty, uh, they can see MFLAC, military, military one source representative right then and there. Ideally, maybe we'll be able to get someone who can liaise with mental health. And if that problem is severe enough to require that mental health response, they'll get kind of a hot transfer, a hot, uh, a warm um, handoff. handoff, thank you, a warm handoff to the MTF to come speak with us. So for the future, it's, it ideally will be a little bit easier. Uh, but let's talk about the now. It's a matter of, you have different ways of doing this. You can go up the chain if you trust uh, the person above you, right? You can speak to a supervisor, you can speak to your shirt, uh, you can come directly to the MTF. Again, this is true for Wright Pat. Come directly to the MTF. We have a vectoring process that I'll let your speak, uh, Eshi kind of speak more to, where we can kind of say, hey, this is suitable, you know, what you're experiencing is suitable for this level of care, right? Kind of like your PCM, you tell your PCM some problems, they'll say, all right, this is a PCM level problem or this is an oncology problem. Um, but I just want to emphasize that there is no wrong way of seeking help, right? Someone in your life that, uh, that you have you can go to them, say you need help, and that person can ideally help you get the help that you need. Um, but direct paths, MTF, and chain of command. Okay. Sure, yeah, so with this whole thing with no wrong door, um, a big part of making this whole thing successful is getting the info out there about where all the venues for help are, because we as the mental health clinic don't have a monopoly on being able to help people. And in fact, this is sort of like a rebranding of how we've normally um, advertised, you know, what, what we offer. Um, we're, we've got very specialized training and like Major Salazar was kind of alluding to, we're really having to be more like a specialty care clinic where we use our specialized training it's not always the most efficient or um, quick process because the real screwdriver work of working with a major depressive disorder or a post-traumatic stress disorder or somebody in crisis, it's like our tools aren't super quick, um, but we are specialized to deliver those. And we can't answer every call, just our, our our capabilities started to become overwhelmed, I'd say, five, six years ago. Um, and so we've, we've really been forced to make this change where, and honestly, I, I like the way that we're, we're seeing this. So, so we're kind of situated, I guess this is, this is your right. We're situated kind of back here, but the front line down here might be, you know, 
having that community in the unit. And when that doesn't quite work, we're thinking about talking to the chaplain or uh, the military family life counselors that are that are around base or military one source, which is a service that's available for all DOD folks. Um, these are brief interventions that are really efficient and answer a specific problem and, and working toward a solution to get through that, like you know, a loss of a relationship or having trouble adjusting to a new place, um, you know, or just having a disagreement with a coworker. Um, just everyday normal stuff that every human being will probably go through at some point in their life. All of that is available and these folks are trained professionals that have some of the credentials that we have up here. Um, when those don't quite answer the mail, you know, if there's a, an acute safety concern or, if, you know, like Major Salazar was saying, maybe this, this issue is just not going away and it's lasted, you know, a couple weeks maybe a month or even longer than that. And it's starting to impair my ability to live the life I'd rather live. And I don't know how to get out of it. Like that's when maybe the more specialized care comes in and, um, and we can offer that kind of service. But what I like about this no wrong door idea is that we're all working together. And so that team of providers that I talked about at the very beginning that I've been working with are the MPLEX, are the, um, the chaplains. You know, and we have folks that liaise with Military One Source. And even for our civilians, we work with uh, the folks that run the employee assistance program that can vector folks to care if you're not a TRICARE beneficiary here. Mm -hmm. So that we can help get folks routed to the appropriate level. You know, but that may be that, hey, we're, you came to us, but we're saying we actually don't think you necessarily need our services, but we have these other folks here that probably be able to get you seen sooner and we're gonna send you that way. So it's actually a good thing if we vector you somewhere else that's maybe an appropriate care. So anyway, last thought on this is just, the thing that's gonna make this work is everybody kind of learns that, hey, mental health's not quite just a monopoly on all of this. And maybe there's more appropriate briefer intervention I can do and there's no, nothing even in my medical record when I have to go and talk to these kinds of people um, that answers the mail all, all patched up and, and back in the fight, no big deal, you know? And then that saves our bandwidth to be able to help the more the cases that might need specialty care or the crises that need managed to, to keep people alive. And I think it's always good to, to talk about, you know, there's, always been this stigma about reaching out for help, going to yeah. mental health or something like that. Um, and, it, you know, in recent years, we've seen some senior leaders that have openly talked about the fact, uh, I think General Brown mentioned that he, he goes in for checkups, you know, and, and uh, it, it, do, you, do you see that as useful? Has that helped kind of maybe turn the tide a little bit on, on uh, some of the stigma of reaching out? Absolutely. I think, um, I think it's generational. Right? I think they're the younger generation is more open to thinking about mental health. Um, I can't tell you if you open up social media, how many different um, celebrities or, or people of, of kind of like public renown will share uh, the message of it's okay not to be okay, right? And that, that, that trickles down, gets passed down. So that really is kind of the, I think the overriding mindset in our younger airmen is that it's okay not to be okay. Um, therapy is useful for everybody. Uh, so yeah, I think on the younger side, people aren't afraid to come and seek out mental health care. Um, 
I don't want to speak for, you know, I don't want to make it a black and white generational. There are certainly older individuals uh, who, who feel the same way. Uh, but if I had to kind of flip a coin or if I had to take a bet, really, uh, the ones more likely to be hesitant to come out and seek mental health are going to be just some of that old guard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd say I think the stigma is probably still alive and well. And I don't want to mince, you know, sugarcoat that at all. Um, I, I mean, I do think that it's improved and I think it's just because information's out there. And I, and I really think the quality of the information that's out there will be the only thing that, um, that, that settles this kind of issue. I, I think it's just, it's hard not to say that sometimes going to see anybody in the MTF could affect your career. And I'm sure lots of people might not go see their PCM because even if their legs hurt for a long time, it's just like, I just don't want the trouble. You know, I want to be able to deploy. Um, so I don't know that we'll ever really get rid of it because, um, you know, part of our job really is assessing if somebody can deploy. And if they can't, we really need to be able to serve the Air Force and, and the people who are working downrange by saying, you know, this person is good to go and they need to be able to trust that we can say that they're good to go. And part of our job really is to help to get folks transition to care if, if it's not appropriate to be in the military anymore to the VA system or some other venue. Um, you know, thankfully that's not anywhere near um, a, a, a huge percentage of what we see. I, I do think that that's probably um, the big question mark people might have is just sort of like, well, what is this going to do to my career? Yeah. You know. And honestly, we may not know that until we can talk a little bit longer, but maybe the threat of that conversation, it's like the risk of this going away that I don't like, I'd rather just not be able to, to talk about it. You know, and so I don't I don't know that we can solve that um, that kind of conflict right now. So this is another thing that I really like about having this community of of helping agencies is that, you know, maybe if you're reserving us as a specialty care clinic, you're really not needing to talk to us until you really need to talk to us. And there's all these other helping agencies that don't even really need to get in your business about military readiness and things like that. Um, and so we really do wanna encourage folks to seek help early, you know, and to get help in those particular venues and pack and fight and shape. And there's no real need to worry about stigma with that. Um, I mean, honestly, our, our job here is to get people in remission and back in the fight. We're not looking to screw people over. Like I went to school for a long time and it wasn't to learn how to screw people over, you know, but I can't help that somebody might worry about what it would be like, you know, what, what's going to happen after you talk to me here, even though probably 97% of the time, nothing happens. So, right. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I've always heard that is the vast majority of time. It's, it's not anything to really be concerned about, but you would say that if someone is over overwhelmingly concerned about that kind of issue to go to one of the other agencies to start with and, yeah. and, and see, you know, you, you can go to a chaplain, the chaplains have a confidentiality, you know, go to the implac or something like that. Um, and, and, yeah. and get some help especially early on. I mean, that's, that's really what you need to do. Right. Yeah. And, and honestly, there's mechanisms in place for them to refer to us if they feel like that's beyond the scope of what they've been charged to take care of. 
And so there's no harm in going to somebody like that first. Yep. Right. I, would, I would also throw in, um, you know, get help early, get help uh, on, on the early side. Something a few bases back, I was at an ACC base and the, the term that we kind of coined or that had been coined was uh, human weapons platform, right? Because we started comparing, maybe for better or for worse, we started comparing our people to our aircraft. You know, you look at uh, these aircraft, so let's take uh, the C-130. It has scheduled maintenance built into its life cycle before anything ever goes wrong with it, right? It has to get every part of it inspected. Every few years, it has a total maintenance teardown where all the way to the wheels, you're basically stripping it back to check every last wire, every last panel to make sure it still flies well, right? No one in the right mind would fly an airplane until it's broken and then uh, repair, right? Maintenance is far better than, than repair. Um, but we don't do that with our people, right? We don't, we don't do that. We wait for our people to break or people wait for themselves to break, right? Oh, I can put it off. Oh, I can put it off. Oh, I can put it off. And now they have a crisis and now the only outlet is, is mental health. Um, so get care early, get care often, and especially utilizing those, uh, those other resources, right? MFLAC's not gonna take notes and put it into your medical record. Military One Source isn't gonna take notes and put it into your medical record. Chaplain's 100% confidential. Um, getting care when it's still just, I'm arguing with my wife back and forth, is much better than getting care after a divorce or domestic violence incident, right? Now there's a lot more to take care of. Right, right, yeah, absolutely. We all need to get our software updated from time to time, right? Right. So, uh, so gentlemen, that pretty much brings us to the end of our time, but before we close, I wanna see, is there anything that you'd like to reiterate or anything that I forgot to ask you about? No, do you have anything else you wanna talk about targeted care or? No, I mean, I think the Renault Round Door and our targeted care initiatives are all getting at getting folks the right venue for care. So, yeah, best we can. We just want, really want to emphasize, hey, we don't have a monopoly on getting better. And so please don't think of it as either I go to the mental health clinic or I get nothing. Um, there's lots of options on the menu. And we're really trying to socialize everybody here at Wright-Patterson, whichever unit you belong to. Um, there's, there's venues available and lots of folks that are trained to do this, not just us. And we're happy to help and we're good at what we do, but happy to share the load with everybody else that's here doing good work too. Yep. And other than that, I mean, be a good wingman, reach out to your, to your coworkers, to your family, your friends, and, you know, check in on people, see how they're doing. Yeah. And I guess since, you know, our, our thrust today was talking about holiday stress, just mm -hmm. a repeat of what we were saying, like, just because it's, there's a song that says it's the most wonderful time of the year, you know, give yourself permission to have whatever it is you're experiencing, because it's going to come and it's going to go, you know, trying to get rid of it might keep you stuck in it. So. Yeah. All right. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us today and uh, ha have a great holiday season. Thanks. Absolutely. You, you too. too. Thanks for Take having care. us.